Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally. Voidware prohibited. Must be 18 or older to enter. No purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. Hey there, and welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. My name is Joy Rios, and today we have two very special guests, and I am going to allow them both to introduce themselves. Let's start with you. Well, hi. Thanks so much for having us. I'm Kristen Ellefson. We're here today at MIT's campus, and I'm joined with my co-founder as well, who will introduce herself shortly. But my background was healthcare IT. That's how I was introduced to Joy so many years ago, but came here for my MBA at Sloan recently, started working on a startup that we were really passionate about. And from there, met this amazing woman, Bindu. Thanks for having us. My name is Bindu Chanagala. I met awesome Kristen at the MIT Sloan Fellows MBA program. And my background is in healthcare technology and operations. I worked for Intermountain Health and Select Health. Select Health mostly at the insurance of Intermountain before I came here. I was having way too much fun there, you know, learning a lot, growing. And I stayed there for 13 years. And at one point, I thought I'll give them only two years, but then loved them so much that I thought maybe I'll retire there. But then MIT is the reason I left them and came here. We did one year of super fast-paced, accelerated learning. And that's where I met Kristen. And we both have been working on this idea to help women with their maternal mental health. And our company is called Nurture. Well, let's take a moment to talk about the MIT Accelerator Program, because I want to dig deep into your company, but I first want to like set the playing field. What is wonderful and great and how did you find the MIT Accelerator Program. I can talk a little bit. You know, coming here, I came from the interoperability space and healthcare IT, and I thought I would go back. You know, I loved everything about that company and just was looking to accelerate my growth in general there. But then you come to MIT, what is MIT known for? Their entrepreneurship ecosystem is amazing. You start taking one course, you get hungry, you start taking more, you meet Paul Cheek and Bill Allett, and next thing you know, you're working on a company. (laughs) So that's been really amazing. And they say that the capstone MIT entrepreneurship experience is the Delta V Accelerator. So that's where you achieve escape velocity out of the MIT ecosystem. So they select just a few teams each year from MIT that's looking at undergraduate teams all the way to postdocs, MBA, et cetera, um, covering almost every single amazing technology out there that you know could be developed at MIT. And so healthcare, there are a few of us teams in healthcare, a few of us in mental health, but the day that Bindu and I found out we had been selected for Delta V, I think continues to be one 
one of the proudest days of our life. Getting accepted to MIT was no small feat, but then like Delta V was just incredible. So we're so proud to be there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually have an opposite experience, <laughs> Kristen, because I came here thinking maybe I'll pivot and figure out what industry I want to be part of. But then as I started taking different classes and trying to really reflect on what I love doing, I, I, I figured healthcare has my heart. And I just thought I'll maybe go back and take a job at a healthcare system and see what I could do. But then one of our common friends, I was having lunch with her and she mentioned about what Kristen is doing. Actually, she didn't even say that. I, she, she, she asked me what I would want to do in the future. And I talked about pretty much Nurture's idea in a way. And I said, maybe years down the lane after kids leave and they don't need me anymore, my husband and I will do something related to social entrepreneurship. And then she said, you need to talk to Kristen. That is how my journey started uh, to get to the MIT Accelerator. One of the first things I asked Kristen was, what do you want to do next? And she said, we should go to Delta V. That is it. I had my eye on Delta V and yeah, I remember a week after the spring break, all of our cohort friends were traveling the world. We both were at the Martin Trust Center playing ping pong a little bit <laughs> and then worked on our application. And here we are. And, here we and are. A little bit more about the accelerator. It's a summer accelerator. So after graduation, literally two days, we walked the stage and then two days later, we were here, the Martin Trust Center for Entrepreneurship on campus. And we've been here for about 10 weeks now. We have all sorts of like daily education seminars and lots of workshops and they really push us, they grade us on a rubric every month to unlock certain funds for our company to support that. And the best part about Delta V is truly the board that they give us. So there's 20 teams and each of us have a board of eight advisors that they hand select from MIT alumni who are entrepreneurs or VCs or connected to the system somehow. And they hold us accountable. They are tough. There's some tough love there, but they've really pushed us this summer. It's been amazing. Yeah. Well, and for our listeners, we are actually recording this on campus at MIT in the, in the entrepreneur building is that accurate? Yes. Yes. Modern Trust Center. All right. So let's take a minute to talk about your business that you are ready to talk about. I would love to learn more. You know, it's been an, an amazing summer, but what really brought us together was our mutual love of uh, supporting women with postpartum depression. So I've seen a lot of friends go through it myself. Bindu has a personal connection and we've just been looking for ways to support these women and found that you can actually predict postpartum depression with machine learning. And so we're seeing in healthcare, AI is being applied to so many other disciplines. And unfortunately, femtech was kind of taking a back seat. So despite the fact that we've seen this take off many other places, we're still going to be the first ones to actually do this for postpartum depression. But then not only can you leverage a prediction model just to figure out who's high risk and how can we sort of educate them in advance, but there's a ton of preventive interventions. So we actually couple that with an AI-powered assistant who's going to push women through a self-directed therapy that prevents postpartum depression up to 50% of the time. I have actually heard recently that AI is sometimes more empathetic than humans in some ways. Yes. And is that part kind of built into the programming? I love that question. I took a great MIT class called uh, AI for Mental Health this past semester at the Media Lab. And um, one thing we learned is that AI chatbots, people actually enjoy them more than chatting with humans if they think they're human. But once it's revealed that this is AI, then some of that enjoyment goes away. But I think that still illustrates that AI is really capable of having some pretty meaningful conversations. I agree. 
I think most recently we were experimenting with one of our first educational content on our platform and we did not like the AI voices. <laughs> we have selected so many and still there's work to do on that. Of course. I think like Kristen said, I think in our, on our platform, we have the prediction model. Plus, we also want to make sure there's a warm handoff, especially women who are vulnerable at that state and figuring out so many things and welcoming a new baby. We want to make sure there's that human touch mm-hmm. while we use the AI and ML as part of our prediction model. The prevention also has those features, but we want to make sure we have social workers on our end who do that warm handoff from an OBGYN to be there during their postpartum phase. To back off a little bit, I think 85% of women are undiagnosed or untreated. So this is something that nobody is looking at. And women actually are not looking to be diagnosed for this. Or like, for example, when I first, you know, got pregnant, I didn't, this was not something I even thought of, you know, I thought, you know, things should be fine and everything should be great. But that is why I think we were, we are thinking of partnering with the OBGYN offices, clinics, I mean, and ensure that we collect very minimal data, actually, with our prediction model and use that to kind of do the early intervention. That way, when it's really time for a woman to in need of help, that she's more prepared with tools that she needs to take care of herself and also has um, that guidance throughout the time until she delivers the baby and after. I'm curious about the user interface. Like how would women be engaging with it? Is it with an app and also the types of education that you would be included? Yeah, why don't you talk about the app and I'll do education? Sure. Yeah, the, it, it is an app. We Our intention is to establish contracts with OBGYN clinics. And once that warm handoff is done, they get to be on our platform. We'll have a website and an app on the phone. Our product, we want to make sure it is built in certain in a way that we have these tired moms, you know, everybody's on the phone, mm-hmm. you know, usually nursing sessions, feeding sessions are like 45 minutes to an hour and a half, especially with a newborn baby. Women tend to be on the phones. So instead of being on a social media platform where kind of your brain becomes numb. In fact, we were talking about this today, how something is happening with Instagram reels and stuff. It just is like addicting and Mm -hmm. all that. So we are hoping that women spend more time on platforms like ours where they educate themselves, where they have awareness and tools to take care of themselves and find ways to take care of their baby well as well. From our product aspect, we want to make sure they have, they, we, it's very, the privacy aspects are built well you know, from a cybersecurity perspective, ensure that their data is protected. I think that is the biggest fear, especially yep. with their information or their baby's information. Like I wouldn't want anyone stealing my information or my babies, you know, that is key. And once they're on our platform, we want to make sure that we are tracking their mood on daily basis. And based on how their mood is, they get to journal how, if they're feeling sad what is it that's going on so we could actually make them think through the details of what they're feeling 
And if they're happy, we want to make sure we track that as well. And eventually, as they keep tracking that on our platform, we're going to use AI ML to eventually use those keywords to somehow help them change the way they're thinking. At the, at the same time, we want to make sure that if somebody is not feeling well at all and things are really bad, they have access to hotline numbers and from a liability aspect as well. We want to make sure they're taken care of. They have they reach out to the right people when they really need that kind of an intervention. In terms of the behavioral health intervention, so like Bindu was saying, we're doing those mood checks, which allow us to deploy a specific CBT intervention every day. So we have a 28-day intervention length for that. And it's also coupled with another therapy called the ROSE therapy, which is an interpersonal therapy designed for postpartum depression and to sort of promote resilience. Typically, this done is done with a one-to-one counselor. So we're one of the first people that are moving this into the AI-assisted chatbot, which is really exciting. But the efficacy rates on these are very, very high. We have amazing documents. Um, these are very structured therapies that we can train our model on. I mean, one of the common the common feedback from new moms is just how exhausted they are. You know, you're dealing with people that are not getting good sleep and responsible for keeping a, a baby alive. And so I imagine if they're controlling their phone and interacting, you know, they need to be able to make sure that they have, uh, that it's easy to follow. Yeah. And you know, one of the interesting things that women are going through is also sort of an OBGYN problem where if they're able to catch your depression in real time, they don't know where to send you. There's actually a lack of behavioral health clinicians. So an earlier iteration of what we were hoping to do looked more like a, like a telehealth platform. But what we learned is there's just not enough behavioral health clinicians to support this model. And so by relying on AI and this assistant, we're able to scale much more and to provide this to more women, which is also health equitable. Another thing that comes up often in conversations is maternal healthcare deserts, areas where their women don't actually have access to certain reproductive health care. And this sounds like a solution that could meet them where they're at, regardless of where they're at. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're really considering the rural health areas and also just, um, you know, how can we make our app a little bit more available to people that might not have Wi-Fi. And so we're looking at a text-based CBT model as well. Also the languages. Not everybody is comfortable speaking or getting information in English. So having this, whatever model we are looking at, will really help us to translate that in many languages. In fact, that was super appealing to somebody that we recently started talking to. So, Well, that is on the, we're talking about the actual function of your new venture, but how about like being founders and entrepreneurs? What has that experience been like? How <laughs> A roller coaster. <laughs> Shocking, surprising, crazy, like all kinds of words, because for me, I didn't intend to become an entrepreneur. Just... I just didn't think I had the bandwidth to even do something like this. You know, like for me, I wanted to just reinvent myself with this one year intense program and then get back to normal life, like pre-MIT life. But here we are, I think. (laughs) I think once we got that email that we got into Delta V, that was a huge turning point. And in a way, Nurture and us, we needed this structured way of doing entrepreneurship because we, in our cohort, there were many experienced entrepreneurs who sold their businesses and whatnot. But I think for Kristen and I, we needed this. 
We needed this experts coming and doing workshops. Uh, we needed our pod leaders saying, hey, this is working for the other team. This worked in my experience. Why don't you try it? We also needed the leadership circle so we could talk to, you know, those coaches. We also needed our board. Yes, I want to learn more about the board and yes. the members and the advice that they gave you. We have eight amazing board members and a couple of them really invested their time and energy in making sure we are where we are today. We had one of our board members schedule brainstorming sessions with us at his office and just <laughs> actually he would put shoot all kinds of holes into our solution and ask us the most difficult questions, which made us rethink some of the initial ideas that we had and how many times we pivoted because of some of our board members. They challenged us in ways that were like, oh my gosh, it's one more thing that we need to go back and research. Because of those, we actually made a lot of progress. Are there any that you would consider sharing, like something that you didn't even think of, but because of them challenging you or asking particular questions that you like? Absolutely. I think one of the most interesting things, and maybe it's an MIT thing, but they they never will take anything at face value, especially you can show them research studies proving your points. It's not good enough. They said, have you tested that hypothesis? And yes. so every time we had something we wanted to build a feature in our product or something, they'd say, run an experiment. And then we had to build a fake landing page or create our own CBT therapy module and see who would opt into the second module and then show them that proof point. So they would never just allow us to think an idea was a good idea. We always had to test it. Absolutely. I think one of the first board meetings was rough. Mm -hmm. They questioned, who is your customer? That question alone made us do so much research. It feels like it might be obvious, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> you think so. Yes. So here's the thing. The moms that will be on our platform are actually our end users. Mm -hmm. Because we are as a B2B model, who is our customer? Who is that paying customer, right? We actually explored the payer side. We explored the hospital systems. We talked to OBGYN clinics recently. I think right now, we landed with OBGYN clinics because payers, as much as I love, you know, Select Health, which is a payer that I worked for, which is an amazing payer in Utah and the western side of the US, I think payers are happy with the status quo. You know, if a woman is undiagnosed, untreated, there's no claims, there's no, you it's know, it's cheaper for them. It. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then the big hospital systems are actually good with where they are because everybody knows them. Everybody would go to their hospitals because they heard, oh, they provide those services. I think we have our smaller systems like OBGYN clinics that probably, like people probably don't know they exist and they're working on improving their HEDA scores or they're improving, working on improving their marketing, you know, to see, hey, we exist and we provide these services. How amazing would it be for them like an OBGYN goes saying, oh, this woman needs help. And she can immediately say, we have Nurture, this platform 
will be able to help you. And then there's this warm handoff and we go, we have the woman go through this journey. So the education is almost on the provider side because you need them to be your evangelist to share with their patients. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And so that's actually um, our buyer as well. So the idea is that as much as we were hoping that people were going to be excited to do this for their own mental health or for women's mental health, we actually found that the biggest pain point was for OBGYNs because they're right now allotted, you know, seven to 15 minutes for one appointment. But if there's a mental health crisis, those appointments balloon to 30, 45 or 60 minutes. They're not seeing as many patients. They're working through lunch and they don't know where to send women. So they're very excited about a solution and would would pay out of pocket for that. Well, and considering that the folks, the women or birthing people who might need the most support might also not be, they're probably tired for one. And they also, and they might be Medicaid patients or not have you know, the financial access. ability to have the access to something like that. Absolutely. Fascinating what you guys are doing. I can't, okay, so you are still at the beginning stages. How far have you come even in the last, goodness, do, should I say three I months? Say should I say two six and months? A half months? Two and a half okay. months. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> How you, I mean, MIT is known for drinking from the fire hose. Yeah. And I'm sure you've absorbed a ton of information in that time, but how do you synthesize it? And are you communicating it well through your organization, your new venture? It's like we're a different company. So to to put it in perspective, you know, we were working on this in classes. So six months ago, we were a completely different concept. We've pivoted a few times, started Delta V with one idea, finishing Delta V with a new idea. But we have a prototype at this point. We've got some really great traction. We've met with all the leaders in machine learning for prediction of postpartum depression. And we're hoping to onboard one of them soon as as, a, as a, someone on our team and just uh, also having some really, so we're having conversations that are progressing to demos as well. So we're looking for people who are ready to pilot with us and we can show that this works. It's, you know, in different places. We know the prediction works. We know, we know the prevention works, but we're looking for someone willing to try both with us. And Kristen and also Shanice, our, you know, third co-founder, they both did such a fabulous job in reaching out to our researchers and these researchers are happy to talk to us because they want to make sure this research is, it's real and let's implement it in the real world, you know. So we have world-renowned researchers who want to be advisors to us and who actually really want, like working with us. And considering how much has changed even the last three months, where do you think you'll be three months from now? <laughs> I feel like we found the right fit. I can't even stress to you like how much th- this problem was so important, but the, the way that we're attacking it right now with a solution, it fits so perfectly. And it's because of our board and all the holes that they shot in us back in June. So that's been really helpful. It's been great. And three months from now, We'll have a paying customer. (laughs) The dream. That's the goal. We'll also be actually attending health. So if you'll be there or I don't know when this will come out, but come see us. It will likely be around, it could even be the week of health. Wow. Um, Yeah. We're kind of at that point right now. But what will you be doing at health? You're going to be meeting some amazing people. (laughs) (laughs) We we need to put together our target list of people we want to talk to. So that's the goal is just uh, taking meetings and excited to to see who we run into. Oh, you're going to meet investors and oh, I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited for your journey. And considering how much has come from MIT and the brain trust that is in a five mile radius of here and just the history of so many organizations that have started and just ballooned into successful adventures. Like, I'm so excited for you. Thank you. Talking about investing, investors and investing in our company, I should say Delta V, the accelerator, 
we are at. They start this new investor month, investor days, they call it. So our teams will be going to New York and California to meet and pitch investors. So this will be really good. So they're really preparing us to get to the real world. That's exciting. We just did our first initial I called it speed dating of pitching just so that people could get practice with it. Literally mm-hmm. like, tell me in three minutes or less, like what's the problem? What's the solution? And why are you the one to solve it? And it's so much fun. I mean, as a judge, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of pressure, I'm sure, to actually like get your messaging down. So in such a way that someone's like, yes, $100 million coming to you. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. We are, we're working on that right now, actually. So the, the whole accelerator culminates in demo day, which happens in two weeks. So that's what we've been working on all day here is our pitch and making sure that it's airtight. Because uh, at MIT, the Kresge Auditorium holds 1,500 people. So it's, it's definitely going to be a high stress pitching day, but we're so excited. And Kristen is going to kill it. So one of you gets to pitch. One gets to present. How much time do you have to do it? uh, Four minutes. But luckily, this starts off with this beautiful video of Bindu and her family. And she's just talking about her experience and how she doesn't want... Well, do you want to put in your own words? Oh, no. We just barely got the video. So How many seconds? If you've only got four minutes, how long is the video? I think the video is 30 seconds. Okay. So you've only got three and a half minutes. Yep. Yep. It's going to be a tight one. But I think, you know, what I love about this this organization that we're working on is is truly the problem. Every time we talk to someone about, you know, how staff staggeringly difficult this is for women and their families. They're like, how can I help? They want to drop everything and be a part of it in some way to the point where we almost don't have the bandwidth to accept all the help that we are offered. That's really where it's at. I think if we just share the problem, that's the biggest part. I think that's a good problem to have too. I mean, it's still a problem, but it at least is oh, you two are, and your other co-founder are very smart women. So <laughs> you'll be able to figure it out. We hope to. We also have amazing men. Like Kristen said, we have great allies who are supporting us and wanting this to be successful. So we have Chris, our AIML guy. We yeah. have a couple of researchers who are men who, it's interesting, researchers who actually took the time to research and see how women are doing, you know? So I'm actually very proud that they are willing to work with us. So we'll do great things. Yeah, some amazing champions in the healthcare ecosystem as well. Like, you know, some of the CMIOs and people that are in our personal network that are just willing to sit down with us and help us to better understand, you know, what the problem is from their, you know, point of view and help us sort of refine our value offering. To add to that, as much as we have so many champions, we also have seen as soon as they see or hear this, oh, this is about postpartum depression, some men check out. I think I want to challenge men out there. This is not just women's issue. Absolutely. It is something that uh, men have to be at the table to help women because... It affects families. It's not just an individual, it's families. And one in 10 men actually are impacted by postpartum depression too. So... We want all men out there who think it's not their problem to invest time in understanding how can they help women. So I will have uh, one final question thinking about the challenge that you guys have basically faced and stood 
up to, what advice would you give to other women who might feel intimidated or might feel like, oh, should they try? Should they try to do something so big? Oh my gosh. I feel like as women, we're so hard on ourselves. You know, I remember even when I was applying to MIT, I was like, there's no way I'll get in. But, you know, I think a lot of times if I put myself in like a man's standpoint, it's just go for it. You know, why are we holding ourselves back? It's really in our heads more than anything. And I think we're conditioned as women to be perfect and to be very measured and calculated in the risk that we take. But what's the worst thing that happens if nurture fails? Bindu and I and our third co-founder had an amazing experience. We learned so much and I think we're better off for doing it. Absolutely. I thought when I wanted to go back and do like a proper MBA. I was looking for local universities, thought I'll just work, you know, work, still get a steady paycheck and then go evening school or weekends, you know. And then my husband is like, "Uh -uh, no, 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 this is your list. And MIT was on top of that list. And I thought, you are nuts. (laughs) I don't think they'll take me. And he goes, try and check. Check and see how this this goes. So here I am. Because why not? I mean, again, what's the worst thing that could happen? You learn something incredible. You have an amazing experience. I think we are enjoying the process every day. We are learning so much. We are talking to people who want to know what we are doing. We are understanding what is it about customer acquisition process? What is the sales cycle looking like? These are the things that are coming from healthcare technology operations. That's something I would never think of, you know. People used to think of me and my team members only when systems were not working. <laughs> so this is like understanding the whole cycle of how a business functions, I think this experience will can take it anywhere. We can apply it in our lives and any future roles we take. 100%. Okay, so if listeners would like to follow your journey or, you know, if investors out there would like to find you to invest in you, how would you direct them? Oh, great question. Well, our website is nurtureteam.com. And is it a funny spelling or is it... Great question. At this point, it's be, it's worn off on me that it is a very funny spelling. So it's nurture with no E, N-U-R-T-U-R, team.com. Wonderful. And we're, we both are on LinkedIn. So find us on LinkedIn and we'd be happy to, honestly, we'd be happy to share our experiences with other women who want to do things like this. I'm an example of, you know, you can do it, right? Because I thought this is not for me. I thought I could never do something like this. And this is my first time at this point, besides all of our researchers and AIML, the founding team is all women team. This is my first time working in such a setting. It's amazing. I think women could help other women. Absolutely. Could, could really root for each other and be out there. In fact, yesterday I was talking to a buddy who was helping me with some stuff and she said, why as women we don't really talk about ourselves and what we are good at? And why don't we say other women's name, women's names or what they're doing in settings that are very important, you know? Why don't we do that? We should do it. Surround yourself with women who will speak your name loudly in a room full of opportunities. Absolutely. You know. And I actually have one more shameless plug for reasons to reach out to us. And I would say reach out to us if you want to ask about the Sloan Fellows MBA at MIT or healthcare at MIT, because that's really why I think we both picked MIT Sloan is it's in a beautiful city of Boston, one of the healthcare capitals of the 
world. The classes in healthcare at MIT were life-changing. The uh, guest lecturers that come and sit down and speak with you and just the professors and it was an incredible experience. So if anyone wants to know more about that, I think MIT is a, a great place to do your MBA. And then secondly, the Sloan Fellows MBA exists for people who are mid-career, 30s to 40s, looking to kind of tackle that MBA later in life, but it's a full-time one-year executive MBA. Well, ladies, thank you very much for sharing everything and I am rooting for your success. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about us or this guest by going to our website or visiting us on any of the socials with the handle hit like a girl pod. Thanks again. See you soon. Again, thank you so much for listening to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. I am truly grateful for you, and I'm wondering if you could do me a quick favor. Would you be willing to follow or subscribe to this podcast, or maybe leave us a rating or review? Or if you're feeling extra generous, would you share this episode on your Instagram stories or with a friend? All those things help us podcasters out so much. I'm the show's host, Joy Rios, and I'll see you next time.